Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. Welcome everyone to my living room. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining in today. It is so good to be here together with all of you this morning. I just want to encourage you, leave me a comment. Let us know where you're watching from today. Uh, You can put it in the comment section down below um, or in the chat feature, wherever you're watching. We'd love to know where you're joining um, with us today, either in Nassau County or in parts beyond. Um, Before we go any further today, I just wanted to let you know that we are streaming on three different platforms today. I know that in the past, um, last week, we had some connectivity issues. Um, I think the church kind of broke the internet, not just our church, but the big church globally. We had so many churches trying to stream, um, many of which may not do that on a regular basis. And so we're all on here at the same time and fighting for that bandwidth. So you can find all of the details and how to connect to those other platforms at our landing page on our website, thechristwalk.com forward slash connect. And there's links there for you to go to the various places that we will be streaming from today. So if the feed that you're watching, the platform that you're watching is glitchy, you might want to try moving over to one of those other platforms this morning. Um, Also on thechristwalk.com slash connect is an opportunity for you to submit a prayer request. If there's anything that we can pray with you about, we would love to do that during this time. Um, You can also uh, uh, submit an email to our staff if you have any questions or you require any further assistance. We'd love to uh, be able to reach out with you or to you and talk talk with you. Um, And then there's also an online connect card there for those of you that might be new to Christ Walk, maybe you're jumping on this feed for the first time. You might not have ever even been to our building, but you're joining us here this morning. We'd love to know a little bit more about you so that we can connect further with you. And so you can fill out um, a, a short form on there just to provide us with a little bit more information about who you are, where you're watching from, and how we can connect with you. And then also, you may be wondering this morning, well, We're in Pastor Blake's living room, so where's the band? Uh, Well, hopefully the band is safe and sound at their homes, and they're joining us um, in this live feed today. But uh, we won't be having live worship this morning. Instead, what we've done is we've created a couple incredible worship playlists from some of the top worship leaders worldwide, and we've put that on that landing page at thechristwalk.com slash connect. There's one that connects you to Spotify and then another playlist that we put together on our YouTube channel that you can engage in worship with your family right there in your living room. Or I would even encourage you that over and above that, not just today as a part of this worship gathering, but even throughout the week, just as you go about your day-to-day, maybe you're at work or when you're around the home, uh, around your home, uh, just let that play in the background. I know that we've been doing that um, on our Amazon Echo. We've just been letting the Spotify playlist play. Or uh, the other night, um, we just had, uh, while we were playing some games here in the living room, we had the YouTube playlist up and just looping. And, and it's a great um, thing to have just in the background, just to, to fill your house with worship and to let that uh, be an, a regular part of your everyday life. And I believe that it's going to encourage you. I believe that it's going to inspire you during this season. So uh, before we jump into our message for today, 
I want us to take just a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to come into our living rooms, invite the presence of God into our homes that he would meet with us here today. So can we just pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to join together this morning. Lord, and from wherever it is that we are watching, be it our living rooms, our kitchen table, God, our bedrooms, home offices, wherever we may find ourselves today, Lord, we, we invite you, we invite your presence to come and be here in this place with us. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, you'd open our eyes and our ears, our entire lives to what you have in store for us today. And that we would not leave this time the same way that we began it, but that we would leave here changed by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the word that is going to be proclaimed today. And it's in your most holy name that we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we are in part three of a series that we've called The Pursuit. And um, it's, it's all uh, about three parables or short stories that Jesus told in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. And so we're going to be there in just a moment. So if you got your Bible, you got a smart device maybe with you, uh, turn with me, swipe with me. Let's get to Luke chapter 15. That's in the New Testament. The Bible's divided up into these two large sections of scripture. And the New Testament is the second one of those. And then we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke. That's the third book in. It's one of the four Gospels of Jesus Christ. And we call those gospels because gospel means good news. And the good news about those four books in particular is they tell the life, the story, and the teachings of Jesus. And so we're going to land there in Luke chapter 15 in just a moment. Um, some of you may remember all the way back to part one of this series, Pastor Nate, he talked about the parable of the lost sheep. And he encouraged us to find those around us who are far from God, but in close proximity to us and to simply serve them, to pursue them with the love of Jesus by doing for one what we wish that we could do for everyone. And then last week in part two of this series, I talked about the parable of the lost coin and how even in the midst of our deepest darkness, that Jesus himself is searching for us so that we can be found and that we can be returned to the place that we belong. Maybe you've missed one of those messages. You want to go back and listen to them. You can find them on our podcast channel or also on our YouTube channel. They're there for you to watch or to listen to. I would encourage you to do that. Today, we're going to finish up uh, this series with part three um, and finish up this section of scripture by talking about the parable of the lost son, or some of you may know it uh, more widely as the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. So before we jump into that today, I've got a question for you. How do you wake up in the morning? Like, what's your, what's your wake up call, your routine like? Um, maybe some of you might say, I, I just wake up on my own. Like when it's time for me to get up, I just wake up or, or I sleep until I wake up. Maybe you're afforded that luxury. Some of you watching, maybe your parents, um, are the ones that wake you up. Others of you, maybe you use like an old fashioned, you know, alarm clock or whatever. Um, uh, many of you probably use your phone. I got to know out there how many of you, uh, hit the snooze bar. Um, if you're like me, you hit the snooze bar multiple times um, in order to be able to get up in the morning. How many of you are those kind of people that you set five alarms or maybe you've got your phone and an alarm clock and then a third device across the room and, and you do all of that in order to be sure that you're up and you're still late. Whatever it is, whatever your wake up routine is like, let me know in the comment section. I want to find out how you wake up in the morning. 
Here's another question that I've heard a lot about over the past couple weeks as we've dealt with this whole coronavirus thing. I've, I've heard a lot of people asking or, or speculating that they're wondering, is this the end of the world? Are, are we experiencing the end times? And truthfully, I would just tell you, I don't know. Like, honestly, the answer to that question is probably best left for people way smarter and, and um, uh, way more, uh, with way more biblical insights than I might have. But, but here's what I do believe. I believe that at the very least, the situation that you and I find ourselves in today, the situation that the world is facing today with this coronavirus, at the very least, it is a wake-up call for you and for me. You know, we may not be experiencing the quote-unquote end times that the Bible prophesies about, but I do know that we are getting closer to that time than we've ever been before. I mean, at the end of the day, that's just sheer logic. With every moment that passes, we are closer and closer to those end times and to those things happening. But what I do believe about this current situation that you and I are facing is that I believe that God can and is using this time to get people's attention and to call them back to him. A little over a year ago on a Sunday morning, just like today, I woke up extra early. My alarm hadn't gone off yet. It was several hours before um, I needed to get up and get ready to go to the church. And I can remember waking up and I was laying in bed and, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just impressing upon me. It was just this phrase that was repeated over and over and over. Get ready for revival. Get ready for revival. Get ready for revival. In fact, some of you may remember that that morning at church, I talked about that briefly and, and just shared a little bit about that experience. Well, little did I know, and, and not in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought that here just about a year later that we would be experiencing a situation like we are in today, but yet here we are. And a simple definition of the word revival is bringing what is dead back to life. And I just can't help but see the irony of the fact that God is using a deadly virus to call people back to life, to call people back into right relationship with him. But here's what I know about God. It's revealed in, his script, in, in the scriptures what his character is to you and to me and, and, and who he is as a loving God, that he is always going to use what the devil meant for evil. He's always going to use that and to turn it for good for those of us who love him and, and put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. And, and over the past few weeks, we've seen the church rise up like never before. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is literally overwhelming the World Wide Web right now. Hundreds upon thousands of churches that have never live streamed one of their services before have started to do so over the past couple of weeks and more will be doing that in the weeks to come. There's people all over, not just our country, but all over the globe who have never darkened the door of a church building, but yet they've been confronted by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's more beyond that, they've welcomed that message of hope and healing into their living rooms. And as a result, a multitude of people have heard the gospel and they've responded to that message by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And you and I, Christ Walk Church, we are a part of that. And if that's not revival, then I don't know what is.
See, the, the situation at hand, it may look bleak, but God hasn't been caught off guard by any of this. And I believe that this can be the finest hour for the church and for those that would call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. If we would simply allow God to move during our own lives during this time, if we'll walk in faithful obedience toward him, if we'll do those things, then I believe that he will use us in ways that we never even thought were possible. But that can only happen if you and I are in right standing with the Father. That's the first step toward experiencing revival in our land. And so for the next few minutes, that's what I want to talk to you about today is getting in right relationship with the Father and what that might look like for you and for me here today. So Luke chapter 15, we're going to start with verse 11. So I invite you to to just turn there with me, swipe there with me, and let's jump in together. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, this is Jesus talking. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now, a lot of you, when you hear this, uh, this parable mentioned about the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son, you think it's really just about one guy. It's actually about two sons. And we're gonna take a look at both of them here today. But um, it's important for us to know on the front end that this is really a story, not just about one son, it's a story about two sons and how they both interact with the father. Verse 12, picking up there, it says, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. So this guy, he he had basically come to the place. He was like, dad, living here is great. I love you, but why don't you give me all my stuff now? I think that I've seen a better way for me to live in a faraway distant land. And I want to go try that out for a little bit. So his father obliges him. He does, he goes and he ends up blowing all of his money in wild, wasteful living. Picking up in verse 14, it says, about this time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So let me paint the picture of what is taking place right now. This, this, this son that we're talking about, he was, he was a Hebrew, he was a Jew. And, and, and to, the, to the Jews, um, pigs are unclean animals in accordance with the Mosaic law of the Old Testament. Pigs are unclean animals, and yet he found himself in a position where that's the only thing that he could do to survive. He was, he was living with these pigs in a pig pen to help make ends meet, and he didn't have any money. He didn't have, um, he, he didn't have any way to feed himself and everything, and so he started to notice the pods that um, the farmers were feeding the pigs, and, and um, these would have likely been pods of the carob tree, and it said that they looked good to him. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the pod of a carob tree, but it looks disgusting. Um, it's not appetizing at all whatsoever, and I did a little bit of research, and, and in fact, even though that, that carob pods, um, they try to uh, 
uh, use them in place of chocolate now, and, and they put them into cakes and, and other things. You can find them some in uh, carob powder, maybe in health food stores and stuff like that. In ancient Jewish culture, um, these these were in, in, in the Palestinian realm and everything of this time. Uh, the carob pod was, was a type of food that it, it would have only been consumed by humans if there were no other options of food source available. And that's why it was relegated often to feed the livestock. They didn't even consider it as a worthy source of food. They would only eat it if there was absolutely nothing else left. And so the situation that this guy finds himself in, here's a Jew and he's living among pigs and he's noticing that even the food that they eat, the food that no one else wants, that they're throwing out to the livestock, that that's starting to look pretty good. This guy, he's completely hit rock bottom. He's found himself at a place of complete and utter desperation. No money, no food, no home, no friends. And here it comes, picking up in verse 17. It says, when he finally came to his senses, there's the wake up call. He finally came to his senses. He looked around and realized, oh no, what am I, what am I doing? This mess that I'm in, the wake up call comes to him. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. In verse 18, he says, I'm gonna go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, I love this. His father saw him coming. The father was looking for him to come home. While he was a long way off, the father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion toward his son. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. Verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Get sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So if you're taking notes today, I I wanna encourage you to just write down these couple insights from this passage of scripture. And the first one is this, repentance leads to right relationship. Repentance leads to right relationship. See, this first son, he had thought that his behavior caused him to forfeit his place as a son. And he came back repentant to the father, but he asked to be welcomed back as a servant. But yet the father welcomed him back as a son. The father told the servants, he said, go get a robe and put on him. And that robe represented righteousness, that, that he was now in right standing with the father, in right relationship with the father. He said, go get the ring and put on him. And the ring signified authority. It was likely a signet ring. And it would have been used by the, the leaders of the household to, um, as, as a signature in those days. And so he, he was bestowed the authority of the father. And, then, and, and the father told the servants, go get him a pair of shoes. Put some sandals on his feet. And in that, in that day, the servants, the slaves, they, they didn't wear shoes. The shoes were reserved for those that were free. And so the, the sandals that were placed on his feet, they represented freedom. 
And so right there, because of his repentance, because he came back to the father, the father said, you've been made righteous, you've been given my authority, and I have set you free, all because you chose to be repentant. The father says, now come inside the house. Let's have a party to celebrate the fact that that which is lost has now been found, that what was dead has come to life. See, there it is. He's celebrating revival and repentance leads to right relationship, which sets us up to experience revival in our lives. In John chapter one, verse 12, John writes, but to all who believed him and accepted him, talking about Jesus, to all who believe and accepted Jesus, he gave, Jesus gave the right to become children, sons and daughters of God. See, here's the deal. There's nothing that you or I could ever do to forfeit our sonship or our daughtership. The truth is God just loves us no matter what. No matter how we've lived in the past, no matter what we've done up until this point, he just loves us. And when we accept that love, you and I are then given the right to be called his child. We are made to be his son or his daughter. And so if you've been living your life as the wayward son today, then I would just encourage you to come back to the Father, to, to hear his words, to, to instead of choosing to live life based on your own terms and, and doing things your own way in the far off country, the way that, that you desire, the way that you see fit, I, I encourage you to hear the word of the Father today. Come home, get inside the house and stay here with me. That's why he's speaking to you today. That is the message of hope that we can get from the story of this first son. But the the passage, the parable, it it doesn't end there. Jesus continues on and and picking up in in Luke 15, verses 25, uh, starting with verse 25, he says, meanwhile, while all this was happening, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. And the servant replied in verse 27, your brother is back and your father has killed the fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him. There it is again. There is the wake up call in this passage. His father coming out begging, pleading with him to come inside the house. The son replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours, note, he doesn't call him his brother. He says, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything that I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother. Notice he doesn't call him my son. He says, your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so when we look at the story of of this first son, we see that, that repentance leads to right relationship. But now that we look at things through the lens of the second son, we learn this point. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's that reconciliation leads to favored fellowship. 
Reconciliation leads to favored fellowship. See, this second son believed that he could earn his father's love. He viewed himself through the lens of a servant, thinking that if he served his father well enough, then one day he could be welcomed as a son. And he got mad that the wayward son had been welcomed home to a a feast. And, And because of this anger, because of this attitude, what happened is he had fallen out of fellowship with the father. You know, I wonder how many of us might feel that way right now, today. We would say, God, I've put you first in all these areas of my life and in everything I put you first in my, my finances, in my marriage, in my parenting, in, in, in the way that I conduct business. I'm a person of integrity. I, I read the Bible every day. I pray every day. But then we, we look at the world around us and we, we start to wonder, well, why are they getting blessed? Why are their lives so good right now when yet I've done this, 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 and this to prove my commitment? to prove my faithfulness to you, and yet you've done nothing for me. My life is a mess. And God is saying to those of us in that boat right now, he's saying, don't you see? All along, everything that I've had has been yours. It's yours. You already had access to the abundance of what I have to offer. But because you and I, because those of us in that boat, like the worked up son, We looked at those wayward sons and and we chose comparison. We we chose comparison by by thinking that we could earn our father's blessings. And by doing so, we found ourselves out of fellowship with the father. Galatians chapter four, verse seven, Paul writes this. He says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, his son, his daughter, God has made you his heir. Listen, there's nothing that you and I could ever do to earn God's love, to get his favor, for him to to give us his blessings. He just does that because he loves us. We don't have to do anything to earn it. He's going to give us those things because we are his children. And when we accept that love, when we accept that favor, then, then you and I, we step into fellowship with him as his son and as his daughter. And as his sons and daughters, here, here's the great thing that positions us then to receive his inheritance, that we are heirs of the father simply because we are his sons and his daughters. And so if you identify with the worked up son today, hear the father's words to you. Come inside the house and take hold of your inheritance because everything that I have is yours. So start living like it. And let's celebrate because your brother has returned and what is lost has now been found. That which is dead has been brought back to life. See, there it is again. It's revival in both instances. We are led to celebrate revival that takes place. And so the big idea for today, kind of the the crux or the core of this passage is, is simply this that repentance and reconciliation, those are the catalysts for revival. Repentance and reconciliation are the catalysts for revival. And in each of these instances, and in order for both of these sons to come home to the father, humility was the key. They both had to humble themselves. And humility is a major component of both 
repentance and reconciliation. And in fact, I'm reminded of an Old Testament scripture that speaks directly to the situation that that you and I are currently facing in our world today. It has to do with humility, repentance, and reconciliation. And it's found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, then if my people, this is God talking, then if my people who are called by my name, what he's talking about is sons and daughters right there. The, the way that we're, if, if we're called by someone's name, that means that we belong to them. That my family, my, my son, my daughter, they are called by my name, Luke and Avery, because they are my son, my daughter, they're my children, they're called by my name. If, if my people who are called by my name, my sons and daughters, if they will humble themselves, see there it is, it's humility. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's reconciliation. When we seek the face of God, it's because we're, we're bringing our lives into alignment with his and, and who he is, his character, his nature, the principles and the promises of his word. If we'll humble ourselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See that? There's the repentance. There's the repentance right there that we turn away from that which is wicked. Here's what he says is going to happen. If, the, if, if his people who are called by his name, his sons and daughters, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Here's the promise of God for us today. He says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will restore their land. You know what that is? That's revival. That's revival that is taking place. And that's what God wants to do in the midst of this situation. And I believe that you and I, that we are going to see this happen if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll pray, if we'll reconcile ourselves to God by seeking his face, if we'll repent unto God by turning away from our wickedness and and the ways that we've lived our life, doing things our own way, according to our own desires and our own plans, if we will do that, I believe that God's gonna hear our prayer. I believe that he is going to move in a powerful way and he is going to restore our land and that we are going to see revival come out of this situation. So whether you identify with the wayward son or the worked up son today, you need to know that the father is in pursuit of you and that he's calling you home. And in the midst of the crisis that's plaguing our world today, it seems to me that that has been the resounding message in every avenue that I've experienced. God has used world leaders, CDC officials, our president, governors, the Surgeon General, and even a hashtag and an icon on social media to remind you and me to go home, get home, and stay home. That's God's message for us today. That is the story of the prodigal, that he's welcoming us home with his arms wide open, that we are called his sons and daughters, and that we have the benefit of his love, his favor, his forgiveness, and his blessings for us today. So before we close out the message for this morning, I I want us to pray. And if you're watching today and you're not in a right relationship with your heavenly father, but during this or leading up to this, you've come to the realization that you're a sinner in need of a savior, then I wanna invite you to come home to the father today, to surrender your life to him once and for all. If that's you, would you pray this prayer along with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place 
making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. God, I pray for each and every person that's tuned in today. Lord, I pray for their their families. Lord, I pray for the people of our nation. Lord, the people uh, of, of our world. Lord, that we would realize the love that you have for us. God, I pray that we would live in accordance with the favored fellowship that we are given access to as your sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that this COVID-19 virus, that it would be eradicated from the face of the earth. Lord, and I pray that you would help an effective vaccine to be developed quickly. Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to those that are sick. Lord, supernatural healing through the power of the Holy Spirit, that it would course through their bodies and that, that, that what looks like death would be brought back to life in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom to our government officials, to our community leaders today. Lord, that you would protect those that are on the front lines, our healthcare professionals, first responders, our law enforcement, grocers, our restaurant workers, and and others in fields like those. Lord, that you would protect them today. Lord, I pray that you would bring about supernatural provision for those who are out of work and have been forced to close their businesses and find themselves sitting at home trying to figure out what to do, how to make ends meet, how to pay the rent, how to put food on the table. God, I pray that you would strengthen our homes during this season, that that this would be a time of of development and strengthening for our marriages and for our relationships with our children and our extended families, our friends and neighbors, Lord, that we would network through community with those around us and that you would bring strength and solidarity, unity during this time. Lord, I pray that we would grow in our relationship with you. Lord, as we have some extra time on our hands during this season, Lord, that that would... be filled with with us getting into your word and spending time in prayer, Lord, and and, uh, uh, watching church online and and doing devotions and participating in things like that and taking communion with our families around the dinner table, Lord, so that we could grow in our relationships with you. Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunity to serve those around us and that as those opportunities come about, Lord, that we would be people of generosity with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony. Lord, I pray that you would help us in the midst of this season to continue walking by faith instead of fear and to lean wholly upon you and the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives during this time. God, I lift up the people of our church. I lift up the people of our city. Lord, I pray that you would continue to move in our hearts and lives. Lord, that you would help us to remain as connected as best we can until we can come together once again face-to-face to to worship and to celebrate all that you've done and all that you continue to do. God, we look forward to that day. We can't wait to see it come to pass. It's in your most holy name that we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.